where we talk about your favorite indie movies and genre films. My name is Joseph, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Lydia and Des. Say hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Very RuPaul of me. It's been... Welcome back to my channel. It's been months, years. <laughs> no, it's been, it's been what, like a couple weeks? Yeah, well, uh, it's been four weeks for us but yeah and it'll be i think the same amount of time between podcasts yeah. okay well the, the audience won't notice but but we know we had we all had a the, we, the three of us had like a huge falling out people. uh and then <laughs> we got back together oh yeah we had to divide the kids in the divorce and then we had to put them back together it was a whole ordeal our yeah now just our already bad january and february <laughs> is kind of kept getting worse so it's been a rough year for That's us. That's just like, a... and you know, it. I think the energy, like, it's like oh, I'm sure we all feel this way, but it's like, you know, there's always this thought, like, end of 2020, we're like, that was the worst year ever. 2021 is <laughs> gonna be amazing. 2021 finishes, we're like, that was terrible. 2022. Yeah. I feel like know. I've been saying that since and, like 2008. Just next year is gonna be better. <laughs> uh, and it's. I know. That's so. That's sad. just like the grand scale of human time, isn't it? Like shit just keeps happening. <laughs> good or bad yeah. good or bad um but we're, we're all assembled uh, with elevated moods would you say maybe <laughs> <laughs> right so we're off to a good yeah. start <laughs> yeah jesus christ we're doing our best that's what matters we'll just cut this all in post no i mean i don't know it's it's nice to be honest and mm-hmm stuff out there yeah i was thinking like how in a lot of my favorite podcasts like one of my things i appreciate is that like i feel like i know the people pretty mm. well and so you know for we're feeling how we feel you know and our lives are our lives and they're just not not great they right want now. us to be honest yeah and you know yeah if we say anything crazy and sensitive or whatever that'll be kept for sure <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I seem to recall a few very insensitive things you said, Joseph, oh, that were absent oh God. from our podcast. When it, oh my God, oh. why? Why are you saying this? Why are you saying? I'm, this? I'm gonna have to go scrub through the tapes and see what Joseph said. I'm gonna cancel you on no, Twitter. I mean, it's all, it's all. You're done, though, man. It's you all can't. Cut. He the deleted it. He deleted it. Yeah. He doesn't keep the raws. He oh, just merges and then cuts. I can't believe that. Who's gonna, I know. How am I going to cancel you now? I'm going to have to make like a deep fake of you saying mean things to me. Well, sometimes I say stupid shit, okay? Sometimes I say stupid shit. Thank God there's an edit I, I have to go back and see how much of my stupid shit you kept in now. Oh, all Yeah, of I was going to say, like, you're going to make yourself out to be like a paragon of virtue. And then the, the two of us, you're going to clip out everything but us just like I, saying. Well, to be fair. <laughs> I always ask you in the podcast. I'm like, are, do you want to keep that? And you're always like, yeah, I have, that's that's honesty. That's the real deal. Yeah, we were talking about honesty, like, Joseph. And then you go ahead and edit out uh, your bits from the past podcasts. <laughs> some some things need to be edited. 
Do not believe the truths of your eyes or your ears. Honestly, this probably whole segment's going to be edited out. No one yeah. can even know that there's been things that have been edited out. This is how deep the government conspiracy goes. Yeah. Joseph cuts a lot of our shit talk out. I believe it. A lot of it. I believe it. I thought I thought that how was do you know? I thought that was like my asset that that I brought to this. Uh, it's just sometimes shitty we do go on though. Oh come sometimes on! Sometimes we do go on. We have you to. You and me. <laughs> I know. I know, but it's not intellectual enough. Okay. Yeah. What uh, my honest thing for besides cuts that are just for like it sounds weird or whatever, but in terms of actual content cuts, generally speaking, it's only when I get bored while I'm listening. While I'm like, okay, <laughs> if this sounds like it's getting really boring, then I try to cut it. Oh. I try to keep some level of energy in the podcast. <laughs> so yes, yeah, sometimes that happens to be when you're on your ninth tangent in a row and no one knows what's <laughs> happening anymore. Tangents are natural. But, but not always. <laughs> Honestly, the most common is we have the same conversation twice very often in a, in the same episode where we're like, we did the summary of the show mm. and then we talk about it a bit and then we re-summarize it again and keep talking. And it's like, mm. okay, I'm just going to cut that. Like that that's, how you know this, very that's how you know this podcast is hosted by a bunch of like neurodivergence. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Me, me and my spouse <laughs> having conversations oh. with each other at like at like three in the morning together there, there comes a point where sometimes i look at them and i'm just like we're not saying words at this point we're just like communicating telepathically and we're just using the words as like just to fill the silence oh it's like being the person at the table drinking soylent while everyone else is eating dinner <laughs> jesus what a, what a weird comparison that's tech startup culture right mm. I have unironically wanted to try Soylent and mm. use that thing. Lots of days I just don't want to eat. I just want to meal replacement. Do you find it's like the texture of eating or just like the, the, the effort of assembling food? That's too much. I don't want to cook. Yeah. I don't want to cook. I don't want to do... And, and sometimes I'm like not looking for any particular taste or anything like that. I'm just like, I just want to keep playing my video game or keep watching my show. Yeah. And I just want food to be in my body. But I wouldn't want to... I thought about it and it's like, I don't think I could do it for every meal no. for like even like a week. Like I just feel like there is a sensation of like sitting down for meals or... There's a ritual to it. Yeah. yeah. And stuff like that. I think uh, I think that, Soylent uh, probably just feels flavor, joyless. flavor, you know. Flavor is nice. Yeah. I feel like Soylent is probably like the joyless uh, consumption of just nutrients for the sake of it. And I basically just eat pasta every day and that, <laughs> that is the same basic thing. I, I used to work at a place um, and... Uh, our idea of like snacks is like we had like we'd get like a banana once in a while like a like a bunch of bananas uh but we had a stocked liquor fridge and then at some point uh in an effort what? to modernize our office uh our, our the person who was buying things was just like yeah i'm just gonna get cases of soylent so we can have breakfast and i, I abstained really? uh I, I feel like there's like a there's like a moral necessity for me to abstain from it but the people who had it were just like yeah it's food drink <laughs> Like it's like coffee flavored food drink. Uh, like um, it probably tastes the same as like the other like meal replacement or like nutrient supplements like the uh, Ensure. Yeah, so chalky. And, yeah, probably just like chalky yeah. paste milk. Yeah, I just don't love that the name is Soylent solely because yeah. of the movie. Soylent, oh yeah, the line Soylent Green. Yeah. It's people. It's yeah. people. It's people. You're eating people. <laughs> Soylent is yeah. people. I just like it's just. I get the like ironic choice to name it that and it's like a pop culture reference and it's fun but like I don't, it just seems like a bad choice. It, it rings about as well in my ears as Elon Musk naming shit Tesla. It's like fuck you. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't don't do that shit. Yeah, he's an Edison. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's an Edison. He's got the uh, and you know what? If it wasn't for the hair plugs, he'd have the same hairline too. Mm, that is true. Mm-hmm. Calling you out, elongated muskrat. Um, Das, what have you been up to? What have you been watching? That doing? is a good question. Uh, so I've in the, in this absence, I've actually watched like a ton of stuff. <laughs> mm, nice. <laughs> um, I had a. I, I did not expect that, honestly. Yeah, I had um, I had my reading week. So I, I I didn't like intend to catch up on a lot of stuff, but I just watched a lot of stuff. To to name a few, uh, they live, uh, which okay. needs no introduction. That movie is phenomenal and it holds up really well. There's still like it's it's an it's an odd movie because there's still a scene in there that's like uh, excessively long. There's like a there's a scene where like the the lead and one of the other characters has like a, they have like a fight in an alleyway, fighting yeah, and it's just like too damn long. I watched Pig with Nicolas Cage, ah, which, there you go. holy fuck. I also watched Pig. Yeah, like, let's talk about that then, because um, did that movie surprise you or what? I uh, uh, So I kind of went in, like, knowing that it wasn't what the trailer made it out to be, because mm. um, I had read a few reviews and stuff. So I kind of I kind of went in knowing that a lot of it was, like, there was a lot more emotional depth mm. than I think people realized. But I loved it. I oh, thought yeah. it was amazing. Yeah, I could, I've got nothing but good things to say about it. Uh, my first thought when I was watching it was like, I don't think it's just that Nicolas Cage is doing a good job. Because he is. Uh, he's been, he's subtle. And subtle Nicolas Cage is generally pretty decent. But also, I think the director knew what to throw at him to get a good mm-hmm. performance. Like, every scene he, he actually... I agree. Yeah, everything he, everything he performs is like... I'm not going to say like tailored but it's like it's written with the knowledge that Nicolas Cage will be doing it (laughs) yeah there's a lot of careful consideration in that movie Um, I also think pairing him with Alex Wolf was like a really good decision it surprised me I didn't know Alex Wolf was in it when I started watching it yeah Um, me neither and they were they were a great pair you know they played off each other really really well and somehow Alex Wolf in certain scenes made Nicolas Cage seem subtle yeah, like it softened him in a way that I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they worked really, really well together. I think part of it is the character they gave Alex Wolf. Like he plays kind of like a. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who haven't seen it yet, he plays kind of like a, like a dopey, rich boy who's like. I almost grinding his. I almost go smarmy over dopey. Oh. Yeah, I guess that he he seems kind you know, of like dope, dopey has more sweetness. He seems like wet behind the ears. He seems like he's out of his depth mm-hmm. in like a pool of sharks For trying sure. to hustle truffles, and uh, next to Nicolas Cage as like this crazy wilderness man. Uh, yeah, it really, it really, it really, uh, it adjusts the volume. <laughs> it balances everything. Yeah, like Alex Wolf had a had a manic sort of energy. Yeah. in in a lot of scenes. Mm-hmm. Um. And while you can you can see that like Nicolas Cage's character is totally divorced from society in a way that makes him seem crazy, he mm-hmm. he actually plays it really subtly in comparison. Yeah. To the like manic energy that Alex Wolf is giving off. Also, like he had no more than a handful of lines, Nick Cage. Like mm-hmm. they they really there's only one scene where I think he he said more than like a sentence. And even that, yeah. even that scene was like really well done. Yeah. 
That's the second movie I've seen with Nicolas Cage where he almost doesn't speak at all. Mm. The other one was uh, Wally's Wonderland where he literally has no lines. Yeah, he has none. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, I guess he talks to the pinball machine in that movie. Like he says something at the no, pin. No, he really? says nothing. Nope. He never, he he never no says lines. Line. I thought he said something He has no lines in Wally's Wonderland. Machine. That's also for the mm. best. Although that movie was doomed. He grunts. <laughs> that movie was... <laughs> Uh, it is that movie it is. was immaculate. Shut your fucking mouth. Okay. <laughs> that movie's a treasure. There's a lot of eyebrows being raised. It is worth watching. Oh yeah, I, but it is not good. Yeah, that's no. A- I'm not saying it's good, but it's a fucking treasure. <laughs> yeah, it's precious. It's precious. Uh, it's like um, it's immaculate turd. Yeah, it's a po- it's a it's a beautifully polished turd. Uh, it's still a turd though. But yeah, Pig was the big one that I uh, that I had on my list. There's a, there's another one I've got there, but I was going to hold on to it for for a little while longer. Maybe we can circle back to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lydia. Lydia. Yeah. Yeah. What you been watching? Don't don't say my name like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I Lime watched. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> you want a cute nickname? We went right to the absurd. I don't. I don't want ki- Is this in relation to like the one thing that rhymes with my name, but you're trying to make it like less bad? I was going to say. No, lids. I, oh I, I just, I was just being funny. Lyme disease. Yeah, Lyme disease. Oh boy. Hot nickname. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I watched, uh, I watched uh, the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix. Oh, um, I thought you mentioned that yeah, last time we recorded. No, I just mentioned that in the chat. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, oh. I'm like, you definitely mentioned in the chat, but I don't think, yeah, I don't think you yeah, mentioned it on the chat. You dropped the hint. No, I just, I, I, not even a hint. Like, I went in on that fucking movie. I gave you a play-by-play <laughs> while I was watching it. Um, <laughs> and I prefaced it by saying, I want to save this for the pod, so I'm not going to get into it. Mm. And then I got into it. Um, Sometimes It's not to. good. It's <laughs> not good in a way that's, like, not even fun, you know, mm. in a way that's, like, uncomfortable and embarrassing they they try to do the thing that the new halloween movie uh like the danny mcbride 2018 halloween movie did where they're ignoring all the sequels and this movie is just a direct sequel to the original 30 years later um in the case of halloween and that's what they were doing so they're like none of the other texas chainsaw massacre reboots or sequels matter this is a sequel to like a direct sequel to the toby hooper original from i think it was like 1974 that texas chainsaw massacre came out Mm -hmm. And they also, like, had the intention of bringing back an original cast member, like the survivor from the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, similar to what they did in Halloween with Laurie Strode. Um, Unfortunately, I think that actress died. So they had to, like, recast her with a different old woman, which was very strange. Mm. But the bulk of the movie is about these young 20-somethings going into, like, this ghost town. They bought a bunch of storefronts there and they're auctioning stuff off so that they can build their own, like, commune. Um, their own like woke liberal hippie commune which is fine whatever um it's a little out of touch i think with like the reality of what most people are doing these days who are left-leaning but it's fine it is what it is (laughs) it's just the movie is like terrible in a way that's embarrassing it's so out of touch with how young people speak to each other how like it's really using and leaning into like the like social justice warrior woke culture buzzwords mm, that no yeah. one actually uses other than like fucking BuzzFeed. 
so like that was unco- like I'm not sure who they were trying to market to because it's not like Gen Z is talking like this and millennials certainly aren't either and the actors in it are clearly millennials. And I think like the most uncomfortable thing for me is that they're trying to do this like super woke left leaning horror movie with like social commentary and it's both like very surface level and they still killed off the only like black character in the first like 20 minutes of the movie. It's like if you're oh gonna do that, you can't also use the like black guy dies first trope from like seventies <laughs> and eighties horror movies. Yeah, exactly. It's you just can't like have a weird thing to do. Too. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> it's like, and even if you kill like the one gun nut in this Texas town immediately after, after showing him as a good guy and not a racist, and you still kill him like right after the black guy, mm. it's still like a weird fucking choice. It's still weird to kill him first. Like, why would you? Yeah, why very, would you do that? Very tell, don't show. Uh, who, who decided that? Who decided here? that? Like making a quasi modern, informed Texas Chainsaw was an idea. Like, like. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing take takes place in like backwater Texas, and it's about a town of cannibals that fucking kill and eat teenagers. So it's like I don't really understand why you were trying to like shoehorn in a social justice message, and if you were going to. You probably could have gone with just like gun control, but <laughs> if anything, it's just going to seem like an advertisement for the NRA because it's like, oh, we're locking down on guns in this Texas town. And then the murdering cannibal with a chainsaw comes back yeah, and you're yeah. like, man, I wish we had the guns. So it's like not effective anyway, yeah. but, but it is possible to have social commentary in a slasher film because we've seen it with like scream scream has oh, done yeah. that scream yeah. scream did that across all five movies and it may not have done it well across all five but it did it well in the first one it's just nuts that this i can't help but ask like who is this for you know well that's my question because yeah. it's not for the fans of the original toby hooper like no. that's very clear if you watch it because the kills aren't even like inventive enough for it to be interesting um they're f- they're fine but they're kind of like weirdly few and far between and it's certainly not for like our generation or for Gen Z because it's so woefully out of touch that you can tell it was written by like a 52 year old white man. Yeah, it was written by an um, algorithm. Yeah, it's just like it's just all of it felt like a really odd choice and like a clear Netflix cash grab ah. um, after the success of the 2018 Danny McBride Halloween and then the subsequent sequel that came out last year, Halloween Kills. But like even those movies weren't that good, to I, be I honest. Like the, I mean, I like they were the fine. But, and the 2018 one was fine. Yeah. And like it felt like it was honoring the original mm-hmm. enough, but like it leaned very heavily in a melodramatic way to that like female empowerment kind of storyline, <laughs> which is something that's done in slasher films, like kind of because it's always a final girl. But in in a way that was a little annoying, like it did feel a little a little grating at times, but otherwise it's, mm-hmm. it's a decent enough movie. Um, and it was very satisfying when the podcasters died at the beginning, which I find hilarious. <laughs> they sucked oh though. Like oh. they were brutal. They were so irritating. I, I live my best life watching films. People are going to, yeah, people are definitely going to s- snip this clip whenever, when we blow up and people think we're good. Yeah. They'll put that yeah. be like, that's actually yeah. about it. I just wish those podcasters yeah. were me. I want to die first. <laughs> I make that joke all the time when I'm because I'm in most of my friend groups, the horror movie aficionado. Hmm. And I always make the joke that I would never actually survive a slasher film, despite my wealth of knowledge. I'd be like Randy and Scream. Scream (laughs) 2, sorry. 
I die in the first like 40 minutes and then I just like inform people about what to do from beyond the grave with videotapes. Oh, yeah. No, I, I feel like I feel like personally, I would not even try to survive if like mm. if, if I woke up tomorrow and the news, if if Justin Trudeau came on the news and said, hey, y'all stay inside zombie virus, I would just shoot myself like there's no. <laughs> okay, no, but zombie virus is very different than slasher in like the town. Because usually slasher in the town is a one, two night max situation. Oh, yeah. Whereas like zombie virus, that's a permanent hey, affliction. I'm, I'm just saying, man, either way, like I've got asthma. I, I can't, I wouldn't run if you asked me to. <laughs> like if, if someone started knocking on the window with a knife, I'm sorry, I'm out. Fair enough. I have no survivalist instincts for either side. Either the post-apocalyptic situation, absolutely mm -hmm. not. Like, maybe if I happen to live and then maybe, I don't, but I'm not a skills person because I'll put I'm like, maybe I could be helpful like in the town or whatever. That, that's the thing. But I'm like, not really. I'm really not a helpful person. It, well, if they need an art critic. <laughs> yeah, I'm like. Please, I think someone, we need an the art only critic. Thing, yeah, I feel like the only thing, and this might be, you know, like, the only thing I feel like I'd be helpful with is like moral support to people. But like, other than that, I'm being good at philosophy is surprise, surprise, not very good for anything but like the largest scales of society. So you definitely yeah, become I mean, use useless. Who's going around the zombie apocalypse being like, I really wish we had a marketing manager. <laughs> yeah. Well, <clears throat> propaganda for the new cult. Um, Someone's yeah. going to need propagandists. That only works if I join the cult. Yeah. Well, look, you're going to have to join the cult, Lydia. You're definitely going to be under the leader's tutelage. Uh, you know, why can't why can't I don't know be... why, but I feel like that was misogyny. <laughs> why can't why can't cults be cool like in Suspiria? Like if if that cult mm. uh, did not kill me, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I'll help you make propaganda. You guys seem fine. Look, I don't love the idea, but like I'll take an eyes wide shut cult over like a mm. real world cult. You know. Uh, but it's not like I want to be like attending Caligula-esque parties, but I just think it's like probably a better situation than Jonestown. I would go, but only if Tom Cruise wasn't invited. I do want to. I want sex parties and to get into Heaven's Gate <laughs> on the mothership. Mm. Yeah, the mothership have sex. Yeah, then, you want yeah. the best of both worlds? Yeah, like you have sex and you're all tired and then you, the, your partner offers you some Kool-Aid immediately after. Well, yeah, and that's what I'm talking I don't, I don't really want to do this, the, the group suicide thing. Uh. Just personally. It's the, it's the new it's thing. It's an individual Person. choice. It's the yeah, new thing. Yeah, I just, I, I would rather be alone, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, the arranged marriage situation, not for me. I, uh. Um, and honestly, being in a cult feels like a team sport, and I'm not <laughs> great at those. I'd kind of like being like the seventh husband of <laughs> the cult leader. That would be fun, just being like the, like, off-brand, like, I don't know, I have my own little room. That'd be yeah, nice. and oh, I feel like the seventh while, so husband doesn't get their own room. You know, you're that far down on the totem pole. You're not getting your you own share room. A bunk you're living bed in the fucking six. dormitory. Yeah. You well, yeah, maybe yeah. I share a bunk bed with like other other cult members, but like I'm getting some extra privileges, mm -hmm. but I'm like not dealing with his feelings. You're like second. You're like second string. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with the eyes wide shut so long as Tom Cruise isn't there, uh, and his dead That's soulless valid. eyes aren't anywhere near the party. And weird <laughs> asymmetrical teeth. I, I I'm fine with that. It's just his, there's nothing behind his eyes. He's truly You're fine with an this alien. tooth line starting like right here. Hey man, no weird. one's perfect. Weird even, when he smiles. Even the I know, but it's chosen. noticeable. <laughs> You're allowed to laugh at that. <laughs> We're gonna get canceled by the Scientologists. I fucking now. hope we so. We gotta move off this cult topic. Yeah. I'm gonna save my big one for just before the movie, but 
I got through a few things. So these will just be like easy ones to get through because we've already talked about one. But let's see if I get it right. I finished the girl in the window across nope. the street. No, is it the woman in the window across the street? The woman in the window across the street. Sorry, the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. The woman in the house. Oh, because it's the house part first. So it's the girl. The girl is the one in the window, but it's the yes. woman in the house. Yep. So it's the woman in the yep. house across the street from the girl in the window. Nailed it. I actually, I actually conceptually, I actually conceptually had it that time. Like I've never actually concepted it before where I'm like, I'm actually I'm not just saying random words in an order. I'm like, what we're actually talking about is a girl in a window across the street from a woman in a so house. So before, before you go on the movie, I, I have a question. Do you have lights on upstairs, Joseph? Like, can you imagine things visually in your head? Yeah, okay. that was almost so offensive sounding. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, uh, well, as as I know what as you an, mean, as someone but, with yeah. aphantasia, like the idea of conceptualizing that as like a street, two houses, two people is like beyond yep. me. I do that. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I I have I have visuals, but I I don't have a like. As some people I have much more of a running movie. Mine is less of a movie feeling. It's like pictures. That's what mine's like. If I read a book, it's like a movie. Yeah, mine is more like a vibe. Images with vibes is sort of my how things work in my mind. Okay. So like when I was saying that title, for example, I imagine a window with a girl in it, but then like there's no movement or anything. And then my mind flashes to the star of the show, uh, Kristen Bell in her mm. house, things like that. And so I see like an image of that and then that's it. They, and that's like the... They couldn't have chosen a less accessible title for people who... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it's the parody because some of the titles of these thrillers are super oh, yeah. long. Um, but I, I, I don't have too much to add to our previous conversation. I enjoyed it. I think its core problem was that it is not enough of a parody to be like outright laugh aloud funny at all times. But it's not enough of an interesting thriller plot to be like mm. I'm super in it for the thrills. So it was like a 7.5 out of 10 for each of those. And so I enjoyed both aspects and it was a nice background show, but I was not impressed by the ending. I thought it it was like it did it well. It did, the ending was a, it made very much sense with the premise. You didn't you didn't like but, the Glenn Close cameo? Oh, I didn't. I missed Glenn that. Glenn Close lives. I don't remember her. In it. At the very end when she gets on the plane? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I didn't realize that was Glenn Close. That that oh. was silliness. Um, yeah, but I was talking about the, the the actual before that ending, the the oh, actual yeah. like solving of the mystery. The and I'm like, I mean, it it's that funny thing is it is an actual thriller twist. And it's like, that's the twist. That's the thing. It makes perfect sense as a thriller, but it's like stupid. Yeah, but that's <laughs> the literal actual exact twist in The Woman in the Window, the Netflix is movie. It? Yes. It's not like the little, but it is... It's the right. sun in the woman in the window. Mm. Oh, I don't remember that. That's so funny. Yeah. Like the twist is that it's the kid in that too. It's like a Spoilers. fucking full whatever. Gives a shit. It's been out for weeks now. If you haven't seen it, skip this part, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I finished that and then I, so, and I don't have much else to say about it, but it was something I watched. And then um, I, it's still continuing, but uh, I'm caught up with The Gilded Age, which is... A nice show that is so it's about um, 19, no, 1890-ish New York, and it's uh, old versus new money. But it's like, that is literally what it's about. Like, this is what I don't get about it. It's like, how who's that invested 
in a storyline which is not a romance, not like there is like romance and there is other aspects, but the core of the story is about the conflict between new and old money. I, and it's just like, I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like that strong of a, of an, of a topic. It's fun to see the costume design. It's fun to see New York in this styling, mm -hmm. but I just, I'm just surprised at like the tackling of this quote unquote issue as so strongly being the entirety of the premise of this show. Did you say that this is like a historical piece or is it just like a, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a pure historical drama about a new money family moving in and being really rich and being like railroads and we're making stuff our own way and they're all prejudiced against us. And then the main characters being like, the old money is where true culture lies. Oh, weird. And that's it. Yeah. I, and it's just them conflicting forever. I can't see myself enjoying watching that. It's very, very watchable. Like, yeah. that's the thing for me. But I'm like, I still don't get why I'm watching it. Like, I'm like, I really am shocked at how nonsense the storyline is. Yeah. Like, not it's it's not nonsense. It's very historic. Like, maybe not accurate, but like, it's historically, you know, a true type of issue. I'm just like, who cares about that today? Like, it's just bizarre to mm. me. But that's it. I really don't have too much to say about either of those. Those were just ones I've been watching and my general core impression of each. Do they at least like send like I hate saying do they well it's TV, so whatever. Do they at least sensationalize the drama or is it just like mm -hmm. presented fairly dryly? Well, it's all about like which invites can you get to your party because that tells you like how high you've gotten in society stuff. That's yeah. I'm real I really gotta ask who's who's watching. It's popular. Yeah. It seems to be popular at least. The acting's beautiful. Like, if you just want to be immersed in that world, and that's what I think I'm enjoying mm. about it, it's very immersive, and I like the characters. I like the feeling. It's modernized enough that they're, like, they have that modern styling where they're, like, they're snappy with their dialogue. They're very, like, get things. Whereas, like, I feel like something like Downton Abbey, which I didn't watch too much of, but they're much more realistic in Downton mm. Abbey where servants are constantly in the way or, like, everywhere. People are talking over each other, and they're very, they have the very, um, accented voices here the i mean it's new york so but things but even that new york accent is light and it has that feeling of that modern cadence of like snappy dialogue versus witty reply sort of that's a good pitch stuff. that's a really good pitch that like if that if you want to be immersed in a setting that that's a like that this would be a good place to get it yeah i think it's more beginner friendly yeah, that's fair i think i think oftentimes when i'm like going to like whenever i'm trying to draw inspiration when i'm writing something like i like uh, media I can do that with like I can kind of like mm. simmer in and like you know revel in like outfits and 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 you know architecture and kind of stuff like Mad Men is is yes. phenomenal for for that right yeah that's a that's a really good comparison mm. Mad Men I I'm betting has much better storylines than this one but this is very immersive mm. that's fair yeah did uh did you want to talk about your your secret other one that's... yeah I, I have I I I'm kind of torn. I, I want to talk a lot about it, but also if it's if it's one that is going to appear on this podcast, I don't want to like, you know, blow my load all at once. Uh, so uh, I watched The Tragedy of Macbeth. Um, ah. I got to see it at a local theater. Yeah, I definitely want to watch it at some point, so we could save it, but it's up to you. Um, I'll, I'll definitely talk about it at some some later episode, but I, I can't say for sure that's going to be soon. Okay. I was going to say, because the other movie, I, one of the other movies I saw is actually uh, Lydia's pick, which was... Right. Which, <laughs> so you want to go tragedy. Yeah. So um, you know what? Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess, I guess since it's, it's you know, 
uh, since it's a largely, let's say, unchanged from like written, I, I, it's, 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 you know, I can't really spoil it. But what I did want to say is that it's absolutely worth it if you get the chance, um, or if we get the chance. Nice. Uh, I got to see it at a local, like a small little theater, and I think I was kind of like the only one there. <laughs> but uh, it was like it was so interesting because like. It's all in black and white. That's like a big conceit. Uh, if you followed any of like the, the media about it, you, you'd know it that much. Um, but mm-hmm. also all the costumes were done in black and white. So uh, it sounds like that's something that wouldn't matter. But it means that the color grading, the actual like the actual like um, luminosity of like uh, the blacks and whites, it's not distracting. It's like super high fidelity and like everything looks like it fits. Also, I think the whole thing was shot on like a soundstage. So for the most part. So it gives that play-like feeling. Yeah, it feels like a play and it also feels like you're getting uh, an almost surreal version of it. Yeah, that's th- when I saw the trailers, that was my vibe. And I was like, I love this. Yeah. Like this feels very modern, interesting. I don't know. I think I think it feels um, like something. If we don't cover it on the, on the pod, at, at least we should all watch it at some point and just so we can have something to talk about because the sets are also kind of lean into that aesthetic because they're very they're hyper minimalist there's almost no furniture in any room that they show and many much of the effects much of the effects look practical because of the fact that they're done on like a soundstage so there's a lot of like really dramatic like backlighting and shadows that seem kind of um like they could have been done on a on a stage. Yeah, and when I say practical, I don't just mean in the sense of like practical effects, like TM, but like they look practical in that they they lend uh, to the they, they ground the experience. It's really interesting. Oh, it sounds so yeah. cool! And, and there's, there's an actress in it who fucking oh my god, she upstages everyone, but like cleanly. And that's not even to say the performances were bad. Um, I think the performances were generally like good, like across the board. But there's one actress who I guarantee you've never seen in anything, and she upstages everyone. It's crazy. Is the dialogue Shakespearean, or did they change it? Uh, I, as far as I can tell, it's all original. Wow. So, like, so unfortunately, that you know, better or worse for those hard to digest. But yeah, like it, it, it has the same kind of flow that you would expect. So, like, oftentimes, uh, to adapt it for like you know the way that we interpret it while hearing it usually like you need to kind of tune in towards the middle of the sentence and then kind of you know scrub backwards assemble the clauses and then kind of attach them to a verb at the end you know so it's still a little bit dense in that way but oh yeah in a way because of the experience i think it would almost be better the second time you see it that's my opinion but yeah honestly i i think we should i think we should make a night and just watch it because i was floored nice yeah, that's a huge one. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear because I I'm, I was very excited to watch it. So that's really good. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but that's that's the the big thing that I watched. Um, otherwise, I've mm-hmm. just been still grinding away at Star Trek Next Generation. I've got nothing to say about that other than yeah. No, actually, I do have something to say about that. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad that we still have old Trek because new Trek doesn't quite know what to do with itself. It's a totally different, it's a different type of show. Yeah, at this it, point. I still like I still like Discovery and Picard, but like I, I like they're just random kind of okay shows that yeah. I watch now. Like they're not they're not Star Trek really for that's, me. That's that's I was gonna say like I I 
I'm not going to I'm not going to gatekeep too but hard, but I feel the same way about all the Star Trek movies, too. Like Star Trek movies mm. to me are like a very different experience than the shows. I think I think for me, like I, I'm trying to accept that even the bad Star Trek is as Star Trek as the good Star Trek. But um, I watched uh, a bit of Picard recently and I just had to I had to stop because like the new seasons uh, just started. Yeah, I saw the I saw the first episode and um, for, for okay. me, I, I feel burned because captain picard had an ending he had a, a story that resolved very cleanly and to resurrect it just to like massage alex kurtman's ego uh and and also so that they can just like shotgun spray all the new star treks out there as as hard as possible i i man i can't i can't get behind it yeah just my hot take i'm sure someone's gonna send me death threats for that i'm fine with it now, did you have as successful of a time, Lydia, watching shit tons of stuff in the last <laughs> few weeks? Um, yeah, I mean, I've watched some stuff. I uh, I just watched um, last night that new Netflix movie, Project Adam. Oh, I um, saw. I I just saw the trailer for it, but I didn't. Never heard of it before. Like this, today's the first no. mention I've ever seen it. It literally just dropped very unceremoniously. Um. And I had no idea what it was. Okay. So I didn't even bother looking at it. Um, and then I was on TikTok and I saw like a ad from Ryan Reynolds and Mark Ruffalo about it. And I was like, they're in this sure. movie? I didn't even see it when I was scrolling through Netflix. It just shows you the fucking kid. Like, <laughs> I was like, all right, whatever. I put it on. And it's just, it's a, it's a family-friendly time travel movie. It's cute and mm. fun. It's a lot, it's... I don't know. It's it's going back in time to stop the inception of something to prevent a dystopian future. Basically, is the basic okay. premise. Um, and Ryan Reynolds goes back in time, but his time jet stalls out. So he's supposed to go to 2018, but he accidentally lands in 2022 and meets his younger 12 year old self. And they go on the adventure together. And it's cute. Like, it's cute. It's fun. It's it's funny. Ryan Reynolds and Mark Ruffalo are fine together. The kid is really cute in, like, sort of a, an annoying way. Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Garner's in it as the mom, and she's good. It's fine. It's worth watching if you want something for, like, a lazy Sunday afternoon, something light and kind of cute. Nice. It has the same kind of feel to me as... Do, do you remember that movie? Like, do you remember probably back in the early to mid-2000s when, like, stuff like Zarathustra and, like, Journey to the Center of the Earth and stuff oh. like that was coming out? It, it mm. has that same kind of, like, right. adult and kid pairing action movie, family-friendly mm. kind of sweet. Like, whimsical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But it's a little more sci-fi-ish. Like a, a big friend little buddy is kind of the genre? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cute. It's very charming. It's funny. I I don't have anything great to say about it. Like it's not a blow the doors off kind of situation. Mm. But if you're feeling a little down and you want something light and fun, you're probably gonna enjoy it. Probably have a good time for sure. Blast your eyes. Yeah, and it's sci-fi, which is always fun. I feel like mm. they don't do a lot of like, or at least I haven't seen a ton of like kid family movie sci-fi movies. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I feel I feel like that's probably like a bit of a dead zone to be honest. Yeah, you get a lot of fantasy. You get a little bit of like family-friendly horror stuff, mm. but I don't 
I don't see too many sci-fis. Um, not since, like, honestly, the last one I can remember that was a family sci-fi movie was Zarathustra. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. I feel like a lot of, uh, yeah. the, the like, a lot of movies, uh, especially, like, geared towards younger audience, audiences, pivoted towards, like, techno babble instead of sci-fi. You know what I mean? Like, they mm-hmm. pivoted towards, like, video game, or they pivoted towards, like, mm. like, uh, what's the word like fantastical realism or something where it's like real world but with yeah. a mixture of like uh like like oh yeah like superheroes yeah, or like journey to the center of the earth or something like that yeah but yeah no sci-fi has been a bit of a Adventure. dead zone yep. mm-hmm. this is actually a great pairing i think for movie we're talking about today but my big big thing is i've watched I didn't finish it, but I got through five seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Whoa. I have never Whoa. watched, never watched in its entirety in my life. And I, so I still haven't seen season six and seven, um, but I got through season. You made it through the Ben is Glory five. season. I just finished that this morning. Um, so I love that season. It's so good. Season five rules. Yeah. So the, the big thing I want to say about Buffy is that. I, I just rewatched. Okay, well, the other thing I rewatched is I rewatched all of Shit's Creek, which is like my fourth rewatch of Shit's Creek. I just love Shit's Creek, but so I have nothing to say about that. But what it has similar as a feeling is that I can see why people love this show as a full rewatch, full thing. Like it keeps a consistent mood and feeling of the characters throughout this, like at least up to season five, where you fall in love with these people. They're growing as people but it's still a very familiar monster of the week type show most of the time. So it's like you have that relaxed attitude towards episodes where no single episode you feel like you have to follow every single big plot twist. Like for the most part, you could miss an episode or two and most of the time you can catch up to that what's what's going on. But there's enough character development, enough major things happening in each of the Scooby gang's life that it feels like there's constantly progress being made and constantly lessons being learned. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love it. And what's amazing too is the feeling of them growing up from high schoolers to college students is very realistic. Like I actually think how they act as high schoolers makes sense mm-hmm. um, and how they act as college students makes sense. And they do a lot of good storylines about each of those. And so many just well done life lessons. It is more 90s, early 2000 oriented, right? It doesn't, as woke quote unquote as we are today but it's it's still good mm. it's still it's still teaching you a lot about the types of problems you're going to run into and the types of things and i just it just has a feel good feeling all around i thought it's not totally consistent but like even the quote unquote worst parts like a lot of people apparently i didn't even know this but it's like it makes sense to me but it's like i have a lot of trouble with especially the second half of season four where there's I, i'll just spoiler for this yeah, the show came show, out like, in 97 <laughs> yeah but like uh season four is about this this thing called the institute which is a really cool concept at the time in the show and it, and it makes sense but i think the choice of the actual characters who become main uh the introduction yeah. of riley and and adam riley i think are two yeah they're just two they're strong choices on paper they make sense very much on paper like riley's the second boyfriend who is a much more stable, as he says himself, like farm-grown Iowa type uh, guy. And so he's much more stable than the chaotic relationships Buffy was having before. But that is actually just not totally in line with the vibe where most of the cast is always like supernatural to some degree or has some dark force that they're battling Yeah, he's just like a dude. When 
every other character around you is doing that type of stuff and yours is just kind of like a stabilizing influence on the main character who's already like generally fairly stable amongst them like Buffy herself doesn't have a fundamental conflict except for the fact that she's constantly having to fight vampires so it just it's not enough spice yeah. for the show I think can I ask a weird one yeah. um so yeah. I I've never seen any Buffy not an episode nothing um well, I don't even know I don't even so, know uh you both of you seen it into it how how would you pitch it to someone like me who like doesn't watch a lot of tv like what's the point of comparison what can i kind of expect to get out of it did you did you watch supernatural when it was on no damn it's very similar to supernatural um okay did you watch the x-files yes okay it's that but with like monsters instead of aliens okay so it's still kind of like monster of the week and occasionally they make like uh like allusions occasionally there's an overarching storyline most seasons have like an overarching storyline it's just each season is a little different on how influential that overarching storyline is like season five with ben is glory is the entire season but there's still a monster of the week element interspersed throughout that but glory is like the whole beginning and ending of that season Whereas um, season one is the master, but really he only comes up in the last like three or four episodes. But the rest of the season is just straight monster of the week. Okay. Yeah. Basically, starting from season two, the show has that classic moment where there's a strong either two villains or one villain throughout the entire season. The big bad. The whole season together. And then... If there's lots of character development. Relationships play a huge role. Relationships, when you're seeing recaps of the show episodes, it's almost always yeah. how, it's, where did the three main characters' relationships uh, change? And that's the main um, thing. But it, it has lessons about what if you're ha- struggling with a, a really a, a best friendship? What if you're, one of your friend's parents dies? What if some, one of your friends is getting addicted to something? What if you're struggling with your sexuality? This sounds, this sounds intensely watchable. It's very it's so. I mean, that's that's its thing. I think it's such a perfect mix of that. And that's the thing that I think is being lost a little bit in TV shows. Today. My friend Cody always talks about this. He's like, there's so few shows that are investable where it's like you can expect to have this show with you and watch seven season of whenever you want for the rest of your life. Like we just don't get shows like that anymore. Yeah. We get very intense dramas that often do last five, like five-ish seasons, but they're not comfortable no to watch right they're not like you're excited to just stay with the characters be with the the gang or your friends or whatever as you watch it what was the last one of those would you say as someone who's like been pretty tuned out of like tv for a while like what what was like the last big one was it like how i met your mother oh god no <laughs> i'm not saying it was good Maybe i'm just saying like was it one of those i mean big a big bang theory oh. kind of had it and it was things but i i and i like that mm. one I feel like New Girl kind of had it. Yeah, a lot of sitcoms do kind of have it. It just depends on how aggravating you find the characters to be, whether or not you're going to get invested in them. Like I found Big Bang Theory. Supernatural technically only ended recently, but yeah, Yeah. lots of the ones we've talked about before: Um, Criminal Minds, uh, Law and Order. Like, there's so many shows, and a lot of them have been going on forever and are ending now because that era. Is like yeah, I guess there's yeah, like the hospital. procedural like, type thing isn't as big. Yeah, like hospital shows, oh, yeah, I guess, did that for a while. Yeah. Grey's Anatomy is definitely still going strong. Oh, yeah. They're probably like on like what? Their 20th, 30th season? 17th? <laughs> Holy shit. 18th? They might be on the 18th season now. God, they're going to they're gonna be yeah. burying actors at some point, having to start fresh. Mm-hmm. 
Well, they've already killed off a few people. Oh, okay. I was gonna say. Brought in some new people. That's gotta be. That's gotta be beautiful to have it as a, as an actor. Is just like, like a like a Monday to Friday gig. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's gotta be beautiful. Yeah, Ellen Pompeo, who plays Meredith Grey, has been in that thing since season one. She's just been raking in the dough for eighteen seasons. Fuck yeah. The same character. Get it's it, like, girl. Good for you, girl. Get your bag. Get it. I was listening to a podcast where two people uh, worked on a soap opera for a long part of their careers. And they were like, one of the funny things was that the soap opera was supposed to star these like two people. And it was these other two characters, this other couple that was by far more popular. So over the course of like three seasons, those characters just by far became the main characters. And the main characters were like downgraded to being like a side story. That's brutal. That's a bummer. I've like never heard of that in a show, but with soap operas, they go on long enough and they that's they're kind of very much based on popularity. Yeah. But that's uh how it pushes. I used to watch um Days of Our Lives with my grandmother. And um mm. I uh I actually cannot believe the the, the confidence the the show writers have. Because uh, I remember like when I first saw that my grandma was watching this stuff, I was like, Oh, it's just like romance daytime TVs. But there's entire plots about like resurrection and witchcraft and like blood sacrifice and then it's like right back to like lawyer battles over like child custody and then right back into like hot and heavy romance then right back to blood sacrifice yeah i guess riverdale is like the modern day version of that type of thing but it's weird that those i don't know still exist and grandma's gotta watch something god god forbid i try to put her on star trek i should try to get her into like twin peaks Oh yeah, I, I'm gonna turn my my grandma into a freak like me. <laughs> Fucking. I mean, Twin Peaks shares a lot in common with soap operas, though. I'm it just, even I'm has just... that same like soap opera filter on the fucking camera. I just mean I, I'm not gonna I'm, like that'd be like that'd be like feeding Fruit Loops to a Victorian child. Like like it would like nuke her mind instantly. She'd have she'd have like arcane knowledge from David Lynch that that no one should have. Um, she's gonna start saying shit to me that that I'm gonna understand. <laughs> I bet she'd like it. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna load up a USB stick and we'll just see what happens. I bet she'd like it we'll if she's watching happens, like yeah. fucking if she's deep in the weeds on like passions. Oh yeah, she'll like it. Yeah, she's she's deep into passions too. I watched so much of that growing up. That yeah. I watched I watched four things with my grandma. I watched. Uh, I guess three things. So I watched daytime romance TVs like Days of Our Lives. I watched Wheel of Fortune because my grandma had the hots for, for uh, what's his name? Bob. Bob Barker? Bob Barker. She had the hots for him. Uh, and then the third <laughs> thing I'd watch with my grandma after school was Jerry Springer. <laughs> um, oh, oh, nice. She's a pearl-clutching Christian. She's been uh, she's a, an Italian immigrant, goes to church every Sunday, and her three favorite things, the witchcraft fucking show, Wheel of Fortune because she had the hots for Bob Barker, and fucking jerry springer <laughs> all right go grandma i love her oh i love her to death i 100 percent feel like she'll like twin peaks all right yeah I, oh that's God. the consensus i guess i'll i'll cue it up i'll, I'll start moving things over <laughs> she's either gonna love it or hate it but if she likes passions i feel like it's gonna be closer to love it i i actually that's fucked i'll i'll try it i honestly will oh right okay i was about to tangent us into the into the movie but what's funny is i all the information i have down is for the other movie we're gonna do tonight i didn't write down anything <gasps> for okay well let me see if i still got the imdb open i don't think i do i mean we we watched a movie from 1998 let's go let's go in hot about it. 
Let's go in hot. The director was Roger Rodriguez. Okay, so you got that. So the movie that we watched, same era as Buffy. Uh, I think a year before Buffy came out or I think about, about the year after. Almost the same time. Buffy premiered in 1997 is when it started. Yeah, yeah. I think so, right. yeah. So very much within the same area, very much within the same vibe, especially clothing and stuff wise. Mm. Oh, yeah. But The Faculty, which I suggested because it's a show I watched or movie. So, oh, my God. When I was a kid and I, for some reason, just really connected with, I just found the school setting and aliens and doppelgangers among us gameplay kind of <laughs> happening. And the twists, like for me, the twists were huge when I was a kid. I was shocked at the fact that these parasites could be anyone. And I was like, even to today, I still love games about that kind of premise. So it just, no surprise, it really worked for mm. me. Probably a bit of a sexual awakening with Josh Hartnett here too, even though his hair is <laughs> oh nasty god, the in this. haircut is brutal. We, we 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 that was a long cultural sleep that we allowed that haircut to happen. Yeah, it's not even like we're talking nineties, early two thousands frosted tips. Like no. I'd be, I would have been fine with that. This is like bowl cut bangs. But hockey player wings. Yeah, it looks like it's That's something. That's what we're talking about. It looks like something yep. that you'd see in Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It has big dork energy, even though he's supposed to be playing like the hot bad boy. Yeah, he cooks meth and sells it out of his Camaro. Uh, Eli- <laughs> yeah. Elijah Woods in it. Yeah. Uh, he plays the, sort of the main character, I guess, uh, Casey. Yeah. And um, He's a little baby. He's so, he's he's so sweet. Small. little baby. Tom Hayek, um, one of the teachers. Famke Jensen, Clea Duvall. John Stewart in a surprising role that I totally forgot about. Um, Um, And Jordana Brewster. I thought Usher should have had at least one more scene in the movie. He felt so needlessly like put in and then never used. He had like he was in he had two sentences in the movie and both of them were just like you could have gotten anyone else to do. I mean, was he like was he like big in 1998? It's not even about like it's whether he's big or not. I'm just surprised as the character in the movie that he like is set up to be like one of the sports members and like the team, the sports team, whoever plays a kind of role still later in the movie. And he just never is in those yeah. scenes. Like they're just they're just faceless. Like so we don't see the actual like who is an evil member of the team now. We don't see it. It's just the coach oh. that is uh, the president. We should we should preface uh, this discussion with what the movie's actually about. No. Oh yeah. Hold on. <laughs> um, Got that open. No worries. I can. I can do this hot. All right. Go for it. All right. Uh, so setting, uh, Midwestern American town takes place at a high school. Uh, for no discernible reason, aliens start infecting people. They, they're, they're these little parasites, and slowly they start to take over the bodies and minds of the faculty members of the high school. And these creatures um, make their homes in humans because we are full of water. They need moisture to survive. And then the faculty start to realize that uh, they could start just converting the students and spreading. Uh, Not for any particular reason. They don't have any dreams of world domination. The big villain actually does have a monologue that does not include that. But the the, the story kind of starts to unfold when uh, a group of unlikely friends coagulate into a group of drug producing gunning gun owning <laughs> high school students who are trying to take i guess survive not take back the school take back the night Just try to yeah bring back the night <laughs> they try to survive uh you've got all the tropes you've got like the goth who might 
be gay. You've got the goody good, you've got the journalist, you've got the dweeb, the jock, and the guy who cooks meth. <laughs> yeah, the bad boy. Yeah. It's basically um, The Breakfast Club meets Invasion of the Body Snatchers with a nice little sprinkling of the thing on top. Yeah, that's a really concise way to put it. <laughs> way, way better than it's mine. Surprising. Yeah. The movie's interesting in that, like, it's not good, like, in a good, good way, right? But it's, like, it's surprisingly not bad for, like, a B-movie-ish premise or a horror movie premise. Like, the acting, the feeling, the the sense of it, it, I guess, honestly, Breakfast Club stuff is a good comparison. I think it's, like, that sort of level of, like, fun high school acting mm-hmm. level yeah. stuff. And you're just, you're just in it for the whole time. Like, I'm, I, I'm surprised at how little I was, like, thrown out of it. Even the special effects... They don't hold up per se, but they don't look bad. Like they look very no, they watchable look, still. They're passable, they look like yeah. the kind of bad you want them to be in this kind of movie. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like this is a movie you'd watch on the sci-fi channel at like, you know, 10 o'clock at night on a school night when you're 13 and should be in bed. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's uh, what this movie space is. channel for us. We're I know. <laughs> I'm trying Canadian to be inclusive podcast. since like the majority of our based on our demographics, like nah, more em. of our listeners are outside of Canada yeah. than in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's I'm trying it's, to be fucking know, we, inclusive. We gotta represent. We gotta represent. Yeah, represent the sci-fi channel. We did channel. like Siffy. our first like eight episodes of this podcast yeah. was just us talking about shit we watched about on the Space, space Network. So yeah. like <laughs> the Space Network is doing fine. Yeah, it doesn't need our help. Except for the fact that TV's dying, but, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it's... it's, Yeah, that's a whole other thing. It's actually, like, yeah, it it fits really well into... If you wanted a movie that is a perfect time capsule of 1998, no movie could have done it better. Mm. Like, maybe with the exception of, like, maybe Donnie Darko. That's probably around the same time, right? Yeah, but Donnie Darko's set in 1986. Oh, you're right. Never mind then. So, yeah, if you want 1998, if you want the haircuts, the fashion, the acting... The the dialogue, all of it is perfectly nineties. The high school mm-hmm. like swim team and like the and it's not the like outfits. the over. It's not the over affected version of the nineties. There's no swim team. There was a swim team. Yeah, there was, was a, there was the a whole scene yes. where the where the where There's the a whole the, scene at this. the pool with the swim team. Yeah, where the where the, the coach football was there. I, I was probably away for that. I don't remember um, that. Yeah, yeah, and it's not that over affected. Like you know. Hmm. Um, pantomime version of the 90s that you get from while I adore Clueless it's obviously an over-the-top version Hmm. of like Valley Girl 1990s this feels like as ridiculous as the premise is stylistically the language that they use feels grounded in that time period it feels aesthetically accurate yeah um, you can tell sometimes with the dialogue, like it's written really snappy, like like there's a lot of like lingo that well, really I mean, yeah, hits. it is Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. So it's like, you know. Um, and it feels sometimes feels like some of the some of the scenes have been snipped down pretty severely because like a couple plot things just kind of have to you just have to accept them. There's a couple plot things that just go like slide right under the radar. But all in all, this might be a reference that the Americans won't might not get. But this feels like an extended and really well produced episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Like it has a very simple setup. Yeah. There, there doesn't need to be some like grand statement they're making. There's no ploy for world domination. It's just aliens, high school. Yeah, yeah. I think the I think what it could have been stronger at is just that the metaphor is like not. I even having watched it multiple times now, I'm like, I mean, okay. The obvious basic one is that your faculty is like alien to mm-hmm. you, sort of thing, and like they're, you know, but it's like it's not developed in any particularly interesting way in the, in the movie, right? It's just like, 
sometimes we feel that our faculty is is a little foreign to us but other than that it's just a sci-fi premise like it's just nonsense i don't even think there was like a true metaphor i think it was literally just the breakfast club but they added aliens into it yeah. i think it was just look at all these cliques and how toxic teenagers can be to each other in high school and there's bullies and they beat each other up and they assume about each other's sexuality and use it to abuse each other and now they have to come together and look at the after effect harmony and friendship and they're not so different after all like i don't think there was any metaphor about the faculty i think the whole thing was just Mm. about like division between cliques in high school in the high school experience yeah and they don't even resolve it either they're just like there's division the kids are fucking mean like oh yeah man yeah that was the most ham-fisted part there's a couple points where i'm like if someone said this to me i'd be upset like i'd be really hurt different times yeah but i mean I, i i honestly think that's that's all the movie was about the same way that's all the Breakfast Club is about. Yeah. It's just like, look at all these fucking misfits and weirdos and they hate each other. And by the end, they're friends. Hmm. And like they all changed yeah. a little bit to make that happen. They all bent a little bit to become friends and save the world. Yeah, I think what sort of pushes against like that is what happens. But like that pushes against that a little bit is how quickly like they're often dealing with the Among Us problem like that any of them could be evil mm. a lot. So then they're like, even though they're learning to like each other, there's also this strong sense of like, but you're like, you could be evil or like, we have to test you constantly. Um, so yeah, there's but this the whole weird goal, back and forth about those. The whole goal of what they're doing is to de-evil everyone, to save mm. everyone, right? So like, even if somebody turns out to be evil, aside from Josh Hartnett, they don't <laughs> actually want to kill anyone. They're no. like... The whole goal is to find the queen and, and save mm-hmm. everyone so no one's evil and we can all go back to being friends. So, like, even if that's the case and they have that among us, the thing issue where they have to keep testing each other, mm-hmm. the test is just to make sure that, like, they're not going to get infected and not be able to, like, achieve their end goal of saving everyone so they can all be friends again. And so there's just this this underlying Tension, which which makes sense. I mean, obviously, they don't trust each other as people, too. But it's a confusing kind of the team coming together kind of premise because they are coming together and they're weirdly OK with each other very quickly after they find out that aliens are real. And he pulls out the paper cutting machete. Oh, that was fucked up. That was wild. Um, and probably one of the coolest moments in the <laughs> in the scene. He gets all the coolest scenes because then he also gets the whole thing, uh, the car scene with the uh, other teacher, which is like wild mm-hmm. and involves an explosion that's true i wasn't thinking about that part but just the like the tension that seems really good i remember when i was younger being like so like freaked out and then the mars attacks kind of uh moment after is also amazing i think the thing that surprised me is not the thing that that you know stands out for the whole movie but john stewart's in it yeah, that's wild. I've never seen him in a movie. I don't. Yeah, think. me neither. He's he's in it like, and he he doesn't have like a you know a standout prominent role, but he plays um like one of the faculty members. Yeah, yeah, it's, he's the science teacher. Yeah, he doesn't do a bad job or anything, but it's just it's just weird to see him. It's acting it's weird to see him in a character. Yes, um, exactly, as opposed yeah. to being like the character you know him to be. Yes. He, he's got yeah, a, so many big names in this. He's got a god awful goatee that I'll take that'll take away from him. Although I don't think that's his fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the kind of movie where like I totally expected to see like Drew Barrymore 
or like oh yeah like, like this well then she's in she's in donnie darko very similar yeah yeah it's feeling it's just that this is such yeah this this whole movie reeks of 90s in the in a good way the good nostalgia yeah and that soundtrack too oh the oh but that was it was off-putting was a, at times, but it was also good. <laughs> it was it was tonally very weird but like i yeah and i'm also like weirdly with the choices that they did make i'm like and no placebo that seems odd. Yeah, you know, you know what? You're going to have this weird alt-rock 90s soundtrack, but you don't do placebo, but you but you do do... Uh, what else was it? It was like fucking Offspring or something in the soundtrack. There was, there was a number that were like... Like, the, um, to the film's credit, it played it like way deep in the mix. It was, off, it was the Offspring. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that was a shot in the fucking dark. Jeez. <laughs> he nailed it, too. I think um, the, the the to the movie's credit, like many of these like bad songs were buried really deep in the mix, um, where like we had to like, hey, stop talking so I can hear the bad music. But yeah, there's some standouts. <laughs> Creed, We've got oh, some Creed in here. In there. Wow, garbage. Which garbage is a valid choice. You that's know, a, that's yeah. fair enough. That is absolutely a choice. Oasis also a valid choice. That feels nice, nice. very fitting. For the vibe but yeah then you've got like the offspring and soul asylum oh and then cheryl crow's in the mix and you're like the fuck is going on here <laughs> what's happening in this movie it's just like tonally odd yeah but the, mo- the movie is kind of the only place where that like i think really seeps in um for the most part like if you're fine to accept some of the plot conceits then the, the music is the, the one thing that's going to, like, really <laughs> stand out as kind of odd. Yeah. It's very weird. Mm-hmm. Very weird to have Sheryl Crow and The Offspring on the same soundtrack. It's just an odd choice. <laughs> that's a good point. I think the music is just used weirdly throughout. Like, I mean, like, it is just like a random alt-rock playlist. It's just playing for most scenes. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like, okay. to be yeah. uh, entirely context-sensitive. No. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's just it's just random. Like there's a scene with um Elijah Wood in like a locker room and the the music that's playing is like buried super deep in the mix. You can actually hear every other uh, auxiliary sound over top of it, but it's like this really aggressive like new metal track. I'm pretty sure that was the offspring. See, I think I've, that was the scene they used the offspring in. Pa- pa- it was either that or garbage. Part of me thought it was like part of me thought it was like Power Man 5000 or whatever. Not on the soundtrack. I literally just checked the soundtrack to Damn. see who was on it. Yeah. Um, so I think I think it was probably I no because I think the offspring were played during the football scene because um, I remember being like, is that offspring? <laughs> um, so it's probably it was probably it was probably garbage. God, the band garbage, not not the person, actual refuse. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, there isn't. <sighs> There isn't no, that I much don't... more to say about the movie, but it's it's it is what it is. Like it has its vibe, uh, very very uh, time capsule of the '90s, and it's a fun Among Us-y type, the thing type <laughs> thing, but set with the Breakfast Club premise. And it's like it's almost a mix of too many things, like in a way, like and that might be if they did have a metaphor going on, that might be why it got lost mm. because movies i'm so used to watching like tv shows now where it's like they have time to do whatever they want for a long period of time but in a movie you kind of need to be very direct with whatever your thing is yeah because you just don't have the time to mess around well, really. and, to the, and you to have the to films, get your vibe right to the film's credit it's also only an hour 30 
So like, mm-hmm. uh, like it, it manages to introduce like what, like f- six, seven characters who are like yeah. somewhat uh, fleshed out. You you get an idea of what each of them's about. Yeah, for sure. and then as well as the premise, which does require a bit of suspension of disbelief. Like it manages to succeed despite time constraints and still be like like just fun throughout and not like just dense with uh with like action and like teen drama mm-hmm. yeah overall i'm I'm really surprised you liked yeah, it? yeah no like i liked it quite a bit uh i i was expecting it to be like i was expecting 90s cringe i was actually expecting it to be a little bit si- mm. like um how do i say like self-indulgent i guess in uh you know just given that it's a 90s movie but no it was like pretty solid yeah it also reminds me of uh 10 things i hate about you i think that's what things i hate called. about you with julia styles and a young heath ledger and yes younger yes, joseph gordon levitt yes 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 just i don't know i i think that was like 90s as fives and i think um heath ledger's character was very similar to uh zeke in this uh what's his name yeah josh hartnett's character i feel like josh hartnett was like more abrasive you know, like he had the same kind of. But they both aggression. played like bad boys with like cars in the high in high school. Or sure, yeah. I just met the characters' actual personalities, where Heath Ledger was like cool and charming and sweet, but like still kind of an edgy bad boy. Whereas Josh Hartnett's character is like kind of objectively a dick. Yeah, he doesn't really get a redemptive arc, which is actually kind of interesting. And is also clearly too much of a dick, honestly. I saw him as actually I, I kind of saw him as the leader of their group and kind of the one who was actually getting everyone together and doing stuff that he was actually su- surprisingly had heart, even though he has this rough exterior. Yeah, but he was also immediately like, I'm going to shoot this person. And I think the yeah football guy is a, little- a piece of shit. And I think the nerd is a giant dork and like kind of a loser. Like he was actively like kind of an asshole, but he just like brought everyone together anyway what i don't understand was character is he seems to be made out to be like poor in it and he just isn't and i'm just like i don't he's just interested in selling drugs then like i it was so weird like what's his what's his character about like i never actually got to the core of his character the, even though he's given by far the most them. screen time. yeah there is an assumption you have to make that is just like like they kind of push you to make the assumption that he is from a like a like a like a rough home and has like a bad family life and it turns out no his parents just like travel europe uh without him and they have like a boat <laughs> yeah he's just a latchkey kid who's yeah. left to his own devices that has like yeah. literally no parental oversight or affection in his family so yeah. he's kind yeah. of an asshole because he doesn't know how to socialize yeah yeah it's a. Uh... but why the selling like he doesn't need money so it's just bizarre maybe maybe he's he does. so into ha- ha- Maybe his parents like left him with, like, nothing. Everything. I don't think that's the case. I think he just, like, I think it's just part of his aesthetic. Like, mm-hmm. he's just one of those kids. Like, it's not like any kid that gets into drugs or selling drugs gets into it because they're, like, below the poverty line. No, A lot of kids cool. that it's get not, into it's, drugs It's have not money. just the drugs, though. Yeah, it's the fact that he's selling, like, these, like, fake drugs first. And that, that was kind of obvious from the beginning to me, even before it's, like, things that he was doing it in a way that he's not even selling the real drugs and he sells like a shit ton of other stuff too he's very much like a do anything to make money was my vibe from him and i'm like like because then the teacher says why don't you apply yourself and like do this instead to like do your academics because he's good at academics 
And that's what's so bizarre about the whole thing to me. It's like, I don't see how all this comes together into his personality. The other characters, they just don't get as much of a background as him. It's most egregious with him for me because he's given the most character moments and you find out the most about his family. Casey and whatnot. No, I guess you meet his parents and they're just assholes to him. Casey's storyline is just weird. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't it like it that much. Yeah, really go anywhere with him. I gotta, I gotta be honest. He's Eliza Witch's geeky character. This is like a, ni- a cool 90-minute, clearly 1990s B-movie from Robert Rodriguez. I feel like we're reading like a lot more into it than <laughs> it probably deserves. That's fair. That's fair. Like, I think it's just like badly written. <laughs> mm-hmm. In a very fun way. Yeah. Like, it's just like an intentionally made B-movie. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, like so many of Robert Rodriguez's movies. Yeah, if we're honest. It's a, it's a, it's entertaining the whole way through. Yeah, I guess it's like yeah. Even if even if things are like shallow, I usually am like, it's shallow in like a stereotypical way. I guess with some of the characters, I was just like, I don't get why they did this. Like, I just it's just strange. But bad writing, I guess. The other characters in the romance, I, I just that was just, it's just a timing issue. The, the jock and the um head cheerleader, I guess she was Delilah like are like together and it's like one scene where they're like actually we're not good for each other and then they get into better relationships by the end and it's like yeah there you go i guess yeah that was a bit strange uh i mean it was it was fine claire duvall the les- the fake lesbian got her got her moment that was nice like it was with elijah right or was um or, yeah or was she, it was with uh, was with it was with the jock the jock yeah. yes yeah claire duvall did, is um, playing the ali sheedy role yeah, because then Elijah got with the head cheerleader, which, of course, mm-hmm. is what, of course, the geek wanted. So they falling into the stereotype. I knew I got it wrong, but I was like, what? I t- who else could have matched with who? But yeah, loved it. I'm, I'm surprised at how much it held up for my, like, I haven't watched this in a super long time. I was surprised at how much I remembered, too. Like, I remembered exactly the the, the scene where um there is, like, a, I don't want to say the thing because this is a reveal, but where there is reveal, I remember exactly how they did the special effects or like how it was done. Because for me, and this makes sense to me, because it's like I love reveal type stuff in movies and I love seeing the like, and this is how it all happened. Like, I love those moments. And the fact that they actually tell you in this movie and like show you how the secrets were all done, I'm like, oh, it just gives me those good thriller or like twist vibes. So super happy with that. And I'm surprised that my memory was like exactly spot on with it. I'm like, that's so weird that we I could, like I probably watched this when I was like 12 or 14. It's just wild. It's yours now. I feel like this is definitely like a like yeah like a like a fun close to your heart pick. Rewatch. Um, I guess I'll I'll I, I was just talking, but I guess I have to be the one to say the thing too. You can find or does anyone have any final? I should say ask this anyway. Uh, final final thoughts. Final lines. I'd like to recommend it. It's fun if you're like if you're like sitting on the couch with your partner and you're flipping through the the streaming thing and you're like I just want something like dumb fun and like you know that we can kind of fall into have a glass of wine to this is a fun one glass of wine yeah this beautiful. is a fancy movie this is the movie for that it's a fancy movie yeah. or a box of wine if you want to be not fancy yes there we go that's correct <laughs> or just like a box of chicken nuggets if you want to be absolutely Ooh, perfect Ooh, I might have to get McDonald's tomorrow. <laughs> So you can find us at FanLabsPod on Twitter and uh, perhaps some other social media. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to recommend us a movie or talk to us about anything we've talked about, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. I don't know the line. 
You'll Bye. listen to us next time. And we time. love you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>